Christians. We are basically missionaries from India. And since 1986, my father has been coming to Philippines. And then I have been coming since 1999. Uh, the Lord has put a burden in our heart concerning this nation. We don't know why. We are coming not from a Christian country. We are coming from a Hindu country. India, as you know, has the largest population in the world. We are overtaking China. There's a lot of work to be done in India. But still, it's the Lord who has put a burden in our hearts. We don't want to come. It's just like the Spirit dragging us. Bound in the Spirit, we come here. Not only to Philippines, but we go into China. And we are going as missionaries into the United States of America and Canada. It's, it might be surprising for you to hear that doing as missionaries to the United States. So that's the nation that has turned away from God. And it's time for people from other countries to go to the United States and do pioneering work. It may sound surprising. I, I go there every five months. We have been into China. Mainland China churches are there. But the toughest mission field in the world today is the United States of America. If you tell them you need a savior, they'll sue you. That's the United States. We have lost Europe. Europe is gone from our hands. Can you digest that? Many theologians came from Europe. But we have lost it. The United States is gone. Canada is gone. Slowly, slowly, Philippines is also going. We come to Cotabato since 86. I don't know how many of you are aware. Pastors converting to Islam in Mindanao. Churches are being purchased by the Muslims. Not in India but just two hours journey from this place. Why? Who is responsible for that? I'm not talking about Malaysia. I'm talking about things happening here in Cotabato. As servants of God, I believe you all are servants of God. And you all are in a city that's, that happens to be the biggest city in the world, the law. Are we not responsible for the state of affairs of the church? There is only one church. We are not here. God has not given a burden in our heart to start an organization. We have plenty. There is just one church. And Christ said, I will build my church. There are a whole lot of organizations. Many organizations, many organizations are coming up. But what is the condition of the church today? We all as servants of God are ordained or we have been anointed to make sure that the church gets ready to go home. That's the number one task for which we have been anointed. See, the president of Philippines is elected. We are not elected, we are anointed. There is a difference between election and anointing. 
We have many organizations today. I just want you to understand a simple thing. God never works through an organization. He has never done it and he's never going to do it. God has always worked through individuals. He'll never work through an organization. He has just one organization, that's the church. And he's not bothered what organization you have. He's just concerned about individuals. He just needs one. He doesn't, doesn't need ten. Just one vessel whom he can use. See, we are in the closing hours before the rapture. See, I too have a family. My kids are there. I too want to take a little rest. I go to the United States every five months. Go to Canada every five months. Come to the Philippines every five months. I'm really tired. I, I sincerely pray, Lord, give me a one-year break. I want to take rest. But no, that's not the way God is dealing with us. This time when I came to the Philippines, it was, we got the visa just on the 23rd night. And we get a visa just for 30 days. This is a Christian country. I go to U.S. and other places, we can go and stay there for six months. But when I come to the Philippines, it's just 30 days. Many times they give me 30 days and they allow my wife 21 days only. But that's not an issue. You are from this place, you don't need a visa. Why has God called us? A simple thing. See, I just want to take one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 and I'm reading it for you. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth on it. But let every man take heed how he buildeth upon it. That's the scripture that God put in my heart to share with you. It's a warning. See, God will spare the believers, but He is not going to spare the anointed servants of God. I want you and every one of us to understand the seriousness. He will spare the believers, but never will He spare the servants of God. We have been called not because of our qualifications or anything. In his foreknowledge, it pleased God to choose us. We are not building a nation. We are building. We are involved in building the house of God. Church is the dwelling place of God. See, a simple thing, when Moses, God called up Moses on Mount Sinai, gave him a pattern for the Holy Tabernacle. Moses is an excellent architect. He had all the wisdom, he had all the PhDs in Egypt. He had got it from the University of Egypt. But God did not allow Moses to use his brains in building the Tabernacle. God did not allow it. Yes, I know you are smart, 
See, the children of Israel, they were all laborers in Egypt. They could have erected a beautiful temple in the wilderness if God had given them a chance. But God did not allow Moses, neither the laborers or the children of Israel to put their brains inside it because tabernacle was a dwelling place of a little glory of God. God didn't dwell in the tabernacle with complete glory. Just a little. If he was so tough concerning the building of the tabernacle for a few days, how much severe he will be when he is building his church. Tabernacle was just a shadow for the church. If God's glory is not there in the church, then, then, then what will be our condition? Since today so many churches are there, but where is the glory? Where is the glory? Who is responsible for that? We have many programs, we have many things. See, America has gone, Philippines is going. Why? A simple reason. God's presence is not there in the church. See, if God's presence is there in the church, it's His presence that draws the souls. It's not anything of ours. You cannot substitute God's glory with anything else on this earth. There is no substitution for that. He shed his blood. The church is his body. That's his dwelling place. And if his glory is not there, we are doomed and we are damned. Our number one consideration, our number one responsibility should be, I as a servant of God, I should make sure that God's glory is there in the church. But if God's glory has to be there, everything has to be done according to his Will. When you read Exodus chapter 40, specifically the Spirit of God says, As the Lord commanded Moses. As the Lord commanded Moses. He, he could have used his brains. He could have, because there were many things that are really puzzling for Moses. This is how this is not how you build a temple. Because there was no example for Moses other than the one that was shown on Mount Sinai. The ark is there, the labor, the placing of the utensils and everything. Moses could have used his brains, but thank God, Moses made sure he will not do anything on his own. He did as he was told. That's why at the end of Exodus 40 we read, the glory of God descended in the tabernacle and even Moses did not find a place inside the tabernacle. That's how serious God is. In the temple of God, even Moses did not find a place. See, church is a place for God to dwell. We are just on the other side. It's not a place for us. It's a place for God to dwell with all His glory. We are just vessels in His hands. We cannot do anything on our own. See, standing before the burning bush. See, look at the privilege we have. See, we are so many pastors. We are so many people who will pray for us. 
We have the precious word of God in our hands. Still it is so hard for us to build the church as the Lord wants. Why? What's the excuse before us? So many organizations here in Davao. So many pastors here. But why is it? A simple question. From where on earth did this Kibuloyo turn up in Davao? From where did Kibuloyo turn up? Who is responsible for that? Paul says, as long as I am there, I won't allow any wolf to enter in. That was how tough Paul was. And as long as Paul was there, no one dared to come up with anything fishy. Why is it like this now? The coming of the Lord is very near. This is not the time to find fault. This is the time to correct ourselves and get busy. Because this is the last time. Just we don't know how many hours are left. We don't know how many hours, but when he calls my name, can he say, my faithful servant? That's the only thing that should worry us. When I stand before the one who anointed me, all that I want to hear is, my faithful servant. Can he call me his faithful servant? That's the question we all have to think this morning. We all are here. We don't know where God will take us in the days to come. And I pray that missionaries from Philippines, missionaries have to go from Philippines out to other countries. Amen. So this is not a time to bring the American dollar to Philippines. God can provide. Can God provide in Philippines? Amen. Yes. We don't have to sit before a foreigner asking for his dollar. It's a shame. It's a shame for the Filipino psyche when you sit before an American because he is providing you breakfast in a restaurant. It's a shame. It's a Filipino who should tell the American man, sit, I'll pay for your bills. We don't want your dollar. We'll give you some peso. Go and straighten out your country first. But you know the tragedy, the American treats us as the third grade citizens. He says, show some dollars and here there are pastors. It's as though showing some meat and the dogs come, wagging their tail. See, it's an insult to the one who called us. Even if you don't have a single centavo in your pocket, thank God there is someone who has called you. If he can provide in the United States, can he not provide here? Do we have to go around begging for money? There is a dignity when I am a servant of God. It's a shame for my father if I tell anyone my needs. He knows. See, Abraham was a man living in the age of conscience. King of Sodom told him, just give me the people and take all the goods. If I was there, I would have said, praise the Lord, thank you. But look at the man Abraham. He says, I've lifted up my hands towards the possessor of heaven and earth. A man living in the age of conscience without a Bible. 
He could not say, I am the temple of the living God, because God was not dwelling inside Abraham. But look at the standard that a man in the age of conscience set up. He said, I won't allow anyone to say that I made Abraham rich. Can you and I have that same boldness? Do I have to tell God what I need? He knows. He knows. Can you and I say, Lord, I just want what you give me. I don't have to tell you anything. See, we are building, we are busy in the building of the house of God. See, the work of President Obama is it's a simple task. But ours is a tough task. And this is the hardest work on this earth. To build the house of God. See, Moses was called, God called Moses. He said, you have to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt into Canaan. But to take people from Egypt to Canaan, you know how tough God was with Moses. Just one man took out three million people from Egypt. All alone was there a committee with him. How did that one man take three million? He was a stammerer. If Moses came for a meeting today, I get up and go out because this man doesn't know how to speak the moment he said, P -p 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 -p. God, can you not heal him? Because he has to stand before Pharaoh and speak. But God says, no way. I'm not going to heal you. You are going to stand with a stammering tongue. But when Pharaoh speak, when you speak, it's me speaking. I'll speak to a stammering tongue. That's how God dealt with one man to take children of Israel out of Egypt. But just a simple thing. This man paid a heavy price. He forsook the throne. The throne was there for his taking. God did not tell Moses to leave the throne. It was a decision that Moses took by faith. The first time God spoke to him was when he was 80 years old. He tried to do something, but he messed it up. If you try to do God's work, you will mess it up. I want you to remember that this morning. Don't ever try to do anything. Allow him to do everything. His church is not 50-50 partnership where you try 50 and he tries 50. It's his church. He'll build it. He needs just empty vessels. He's not going to share partnership. The church is his. Moses tried to deliver the children of his fire. You know? You know the history. He killed and he ran for his life. If you try to do something, this is what will happen to you. Don't ever try. But after 40 years, God tells Moses, remove your shoes. See, a simple statement, God tells Moses, I'm the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do you mean by that? 
Moses understood it when God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. When God says, I am the God of Abraham, what is God telling Moses? Moses, look at your father Abraham. I gave him everything. He didn't do anything on his own. It was I who called him. It was I who brought him to Canaan. It was I who gave Isaac. It's I who promised him. It's I who made the covenant. So Moses, understand simple thing. It will be I who will do everything. You can't do anything. Number two, when he says, I am the God of Isaac, he says, Isaac was obedient. If you will be obedient, all the promises that I have given to Abraham will be fulfilled. But the third thing is, he says, I am the God of Jacob. He's not saying, I am God of Israel. He's saying, I am God of... Why? Don't try to be smart before me. That's what he means when he says, I am God of Jacob. Don't try to be smart. Jacob tried to be smart. And finally, he met God. So, what is God telling Moses? I'm God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same message he has for you and me this morning. Don't try to be a Jacob. Don't try to be smart. Will you allow me to do everything? If I can fulfill it with Abraham, I can fulfill it through you. See, Abraham, see, Moses paid a heavy price. But still, the saddest thing is, he could not enter Canaan. Why? See, if, a simple thing, if God allows us to do our own thing, he will have to ask sorry from Moses. We have not paid the price that Moses paid. He kicked the throne. He was in the wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years. He was a stammerer. Three million people ready to kill him any moment. But still, there was one man apart from Jesus Christ who ever loved the children of Israel, it was Moses. Even God told him, I'll kill Israel and I'll make you a big nation. I would have said, yes Lord, I too am fed up. But Moses says, no. Though they want to stone me, I won't allow you to destroy Israel. That was how much Moses loved Israel. But still God did not allow Moses to enter Canaan. If God was so hard with Moses, will he be soft with you and us? Do you expect God to be soft with us? Moses' only task was to take people from point A to point B. The responsibility interested with us is not to just win souls, but to make them disciples of Jesus. Winning souls is very easy. But making them disciples is the hardest thing. You have to make sure that a soul who comes grows to the standard of Christ. We are being given the responsibility to prepare kings who are to sit on the throne and to reign. That's why we have been anointed. See, money is a simple thing. But if I don't have the anointing, what will dollar do? Even if I have billions of dollars, if I don't have the anointing, what's the use of all these dollars? 
a servant of God. His eyes is not on the collar or the piso. His anoint his only prayer is, Lord, take not away thy anointing. See, Moses or Elijah, they were all men like us. But look at the way they stood up all alone and they shook the nations from the very foundations. John the Baptist, he never healed a sick. He never, never gave food to anyone. He's standing on this side of Jordan and all that he says is, it's not a simple message. And he's really mad at the people. Today, if you start preaching tough in the church, we wonder, many of the believers will run away. That's why pastors have become soft. When you go to the United States of America, pastors are so soft. Not only the pastor is there, the congregation is not there anymore. I have gone to Columbus, Ohio. We took a small room there on a prayer table. We went there for prayer. I and my friend, we were there just praying. And you know, it's Sunday morning. A 75-year-old pastor and his wife step in. He says, will you allow me to sit with you and pray? Man, it's Sunday morning. And it's a 5,000-seater church, Calvary Temple, Columbus, Ohio. I said, what happened? Not a single member in his church. Why? Because we were soft. See, why are people turning to Islam? A simple question. Is Islam soft or hard? Why is it that people still choose to go there? If we tell our believers you have to pray like this five times a day, the whole congregation will go away. Is it true? But look at a Muslim. He says you have to do this five times. They say, yes, we are ready to do that. In our Holy Communion, if we tell the believers to share from one cup, man, that's hard. But look at a Muslim. Five sit and eat from a single plate. Is it true? Why this? A simple thing. We as servants of God have lost our sharpness. When we are standing there, it's not we standing, it's God talking. God never minces words. He doesn't have to be soft. When God speaks, it's God speaking. Today we have beautiful church buildings, but men don't hear the voice of God. And now when God is not talking, what will you substitute it with? When God is not talking, what, is, what can be substituted? So this is high time for us, for us servants of God to stand up with God's word and preach as God wants us to preach. Amen. We are not anointed to make the people happy. We are anointed to make the one who anointed us to be pleased. Let them go. And we want every pastor to understand that. It's not the members who anointed you. It's someone sitting on the throne who anointed you. You have to please him first. Yes. If the believers don't want to hear, let them go. Yeah. We just want the we just want those who are ready to go. See, Christian life, a simple principle. Those, if we have to follow Christ, we have to deny ourselves. 
Jesus said, if you want to follow me, I'm not going to bribe you. Then why are we pastors telling the people, come, Jesus will heal you. Christian life is the hardest life. It's not for babies, it's for kings. Yes. Only those who are, who are dead to themselves will go when the trumpet sounds. If you want a comfortable life, tell the believers, don't come here, go to the parkour. <laughs> See, that's the trouble today. Today, believers treat the church as a parkour. See, in the parkour you go, you have the slot machine, you put your money. And today, the believers treat the church as a parkour. There, they try their luck. Here, the believer says, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want blessings. I put in 10 bucks. I want hundred. That's what many pastors today preach. Give and you shall. Have we not turned the church into a gambling place? Where believers come and without any shame gamble? He shed his blood. And still the believers want, I want a house. Man, if you want a house, don't come here. Go to the parkour. He shed his blood. See, that's the reason now. Simple thing. In the days of Apostle Paul, or the first century church, martyrs stood up. But today, what's the condition of our church? Let us look at our own church. A small headache comes, the believer will call you on the cell phone immediately. Why is he afraid of death? First century, believers stood up. They were not educated. But they were not afraid of death. They shook the Roman Empire from the very foundations. It's not the fault of the believers. It's fault is with us. We have lost our focus. This is high time that we come back to our calling. Someone anointed me. You don't have to worry about your finances. See, Moses, he took three million. He is not bothered how, how they will eat. His only concern is the cloud should be there. As long as the cloud is there, the Red Sea has to part. The rock will have to give water. No man will stop. No one can stand before you if you are walking under the cloud. Who knows? Tomorrow it will be the President of Philippines sitting before you. See, President of Philippines is an elected man. Barack Obama, he has to stand up when I come. He is a man who is elected. We are anointed. We are servants of the Most High God. It's high time as servants of God. You and I know who called us. You and I know who our Father is. Even if I am hungry, no problem. No man on earth will know my needs. Because it's a shame for my father if I beg. My only concern should be, Lord, in your church I just want your glory to be there. Nothing else. It's good we have a fellowship. It's good we have organizations. But behold, the bridegroom come up. This is the time for some John the Baptist to stand up. For some Elijahs to stand up. 
I'm about to go. See, just want to tell you about Elijah standing there all alone on Carmel. He makes the altar and pours water. If I were there, I would have told Elijah, told Elijah, man, it's not given in the scripture that you have to pour water over it. If it does not, if the fire does not come, then, man, you know, Elijah will look at your face and he'll say, don't trouble me. He built that altar, poured water over it, and then, you know what he says? I am your servant. Prove it. And boom, the fire comes down. God says, Amen, you are my servant. Elijah is not praying a long prayer. He made it hard for God to answer. Will you and me make it hard for God to answer? Elijah made it very hard. He, he's pouring water over it. Lord, now I want you to prove that I am your servant because I have done what you have told me to do. Can you and I, sitting in God's presence, say that I am doing everything that I have been told to do? God doesn't need a big organization. One man who walks with God. Can you and I see? It's a privilege God has kept us alive. We don't know how many more days are left. Maybe I'll never see you again. The coming of the Lord is very near. See, Paul, first century saints, apostles, paid a heavy price for this faith. People, they saw God in Paul. They saw God in Peter. Can thou all see God in me? Kibulaya will run for his life if one Elijah stands up. If one John the Baptist stands up, God's glory will come back. If God's glory does not come back, then the saints who paid the price, they paid the price for a lost cause. Before the church goes, God is going to move. We are in the most crucial hour. And just closing, Paul says, take heed how you build. Paul says, I as a master builder, I laid the foundations. Take heed how you build. Let's close our eyes, go ahead. Just a short word of prayer. God did not give Moses any freedom. Do you expect God to be soft? The church is God's building. It's not the place for us to use our wisdom. Father, I praise you and thank you for this time. Lord, as servants, we are here in your presence. Lord, we admit there are many shortcomings in our lives. But Lord, we surrender ourselves once again in your presence. Lord, we just want your glory to be there in the church and nothing else. Let thou all see your glory. We just want Philippines to know who Jesus is. Lord, I pray that you may use your servants in the days to come. Let Philippines see some Elijahs. Let Philippines see some John the Baptist, O Lord. Lord, raise up servants of God with a double portion of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' most holy name we pray.
you know what? You could be feeling, ang sa akin lang yung, 